Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. We hold these truths to be self-evident. For enemies dare to strike us, they and all who have aided them will face fearful consequences. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The eyes of the world are upon you. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Welcome over to Speak the Truth. This is episode 13. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. We're sitting in the middle of the week. I know we did not have an episode go up yesterday. Not going to lie, I actually decided to go fishing yesterday morning, and it turned into somewhat a fiasco. I didn't end up fishing till around 1 p.m. So, wasted in the morning. My apologies. That won't happen again. Made a mistake. But anyway, we're back at it. Tell you guys right now, I see this beautiful sign to my left. Yes, look, we got this beautiful. It finally came in. If you guys are not seeing this, you're just hearing it on Spotify, you can guys go check out the YouTube channel, you'll probably see it. It'll be just type in Robert Turklow or Lunkers TV, whichever it is, that'll pop up, and it should come up. I I put a lot of effort into that. I did make that. So, out the gate, top U.S. spies says Somalia, Yemen, Syria, Iraq represent a greater terrorist threat than Afghanistan. Yes, that is right. There is a top U.S. spy that is apparently clearly talking to CNN politics. I don't know what the fuck a spy is doing talking to CNN, but a spy says that they are. I don't know where... Th- how, how the fuck could you have a credible source that's a spy? I thought a spy is supposed to be a spy and not supposed to be known. But anyways, we're going to say that a spy is a credible source as of now, and I do kind of somewhat believe him to a certain extent uh, as of somewhat, kind of, not really. I know these Somalia, Yemen, Syria, and Iraq are all terrible places. They have a ton of ex- extremists when it comes to terrorism and, and stuff like that. But Afghanistan, as we're going to find out later on in this episode, is pretty much a massive shithole still. So this spy goes on and says, Terror threats emanating from Somalia, Yemen, Syria, and Iraq, in particular ISIS, pose a greater danger than those that might emerge from Afghanistan. Now is this spy, this quote-unquote spy, yes, I still find this very, f- every time I say spy, I take a shot. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But what I'm, t- I'm telling you is every, every time I, I, I hear them talk about this Afghanistan and maybe the spy, are they trying to deter you from thinking that maybe the whole botch thing in Afghanistan wasn't as bad as it really is because we have other threats that are elsewhere? Or is this spy even like, how the fuck do you, you say a spy? I guess if I'm just a regular person, I mean, it made me click on the article for God's sakes. I was like, top you a spy. And then you get to thinking like, who is this spy? Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I guess it make you think that, like, who's this spy? Kind of a weird tone of voice that it's used right there to kind of jazz up the spy. Anyway, this guy, this spy, I don't even know what to call him because there's no fucking name. Is, this, is it a guy or a girl? I don't know. Uh, anyway, this this individual, uh, this spy, in terms of homeland, the threat right now from terrorist groups, we don't prioritize at the top of the list is Afghanistan. What we look at is Yemen, Somalia, Syria, Iraq for ISIS. That's where we see the greatest threat. Can we please get a pronoun for this spy? Because I've, I've, I feel like it's very necessary. We can't go on and not know if it's a man, woman, or it. I need to know. So the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, she acknowledges that intelligence gathering in Afghanistan has been diminished. Oh, has it really now? Because U.S. troops have not been there and without U.S.-backed government and power in Kabul, but she insisted that the intelligence community has prepared for this reality for quite some time. If the intelligence community has prepared for this for quite some time, why the fuck did they botch the Afghanistan withdrawal so bad? If they knew and they're preparing for this for some time, why was it botched so bad? This can't be true. Avril Haines, come on now. You can't, you, you're lying to us, aren't you? Son of a bitch. Officials said publicly that the Islamic State branch in this Afghanistan ISIS-K does pose a potential threat to the United States. So now there's officials saying that it does, but we have a U.S. spy. We have a fucking spy telling us that it doesn't. But if you read further in the article, it says that we do. 
ISIS still operates in Syria and Iraq, although the group has been tampered down by U.S. military presence in both countries. Oh, that is so fucking ironic because we just left Afghanistan where we have no presence, but they've been tampered down in the other countries. Oh, but don't you worry. Avril Haines says that they've been preparing for this for months. They've been preparing for it. <laughs> I mean, come on out. This is a fucking joke, is it not? I'm sitting here just... <laughs> I'm having fun this morning because at the gate we're having a good time talking about how contradictory this entire thing is. And I'm just... Like I said, I'm just a random guy sitting here in Texas having a good time just reading through the bullshit. So in Yemen, an Al-Qaeda offshoot based there has uh, attempted some attacks on the United States. And in Somalia, the U.S. has regularly conducted counterterrorism strikes against Al-Shabaab which in the early 2020 launched an attack on a U.S. facility in Kenya that killed a U.S. soldier and two U.S. contractors. Yes, that is currently happening. Like I've told you guys many times, we have places all over the world. I'm talking all over the world. That's why I'm still really concerned and kind of confused as to why, since clearly we they've been preparing to leave Afghanistan, why the fuck we aren't there still? So CNN has previously reported that it has become infinitely harder for the U.S. intelligence community and military to gather information needed to carry out counterterrorism strikes against ISIS and other targets inside Afghanistan. Here we go. Here's a here's a kicker without U.S. troops on the ground. What did I say? What did I say like last week? What did I say the week before? What did I say on the very first episode? Keep Bagram smother, smother terrorism. Keep them from doing shit. And guess what? Oh my God, CNN, we are on the same page. If you guys can't see me right now, I'm actually dancing because me and CNN, CNN, me and CNN, <laughs> me and CNN are on the exact same page right now. Let that sink in. Myself and CNN, we're literally tango, amano, amano, having a good time because we agree. Or, well, maybe we don't agree, but they just previously reported that. So I just got super excited and realized that we may not agree on it, but I was fucking right. All right, number two on the list. Oh my God, do we have a trader on our hands? Shit, we're making, we're gonna make this fun. This is gonna be a good day. You know, I was kind of not so relaxed at the beginning of doing these things. I thought they were kind of awkward because, man, I'm just sitting here talking to a camera like, murk, 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 murk. but now I'm like, or a mic, excuse me. And now I'm so used to because I'm so used to having a camera. Now I feel more comfortable. We're back at it, having a good time. And it seems like you guys are really enjoying these. The comments are absolutely fucking insane, so thank you so much. I know a lot of you guys who are listening to Spotify right now, you can't read the fucking comments, but I'm talking about the ones on YouTube. So how are you guys doing over YouTube? Thank you so much. Welcome over here. I know we uh, we did lose about a 1,000 subs out the gate, but those were just pansies that we didn't fucking want anyway, so doesn't really matter. Just having a good time. Number two, here we go. I know you guys are excited about this one, because this one's pretty high up on the fucking list of traitor and treasonry. Treasonry. Is that a fucking word? Treasony. Treason. Treason. <laughs> All right. Just calm yourself, guys and guys who are taking taking life too seriously right now. So Marco Rubio, Alexander Vindham, call on General Milley to resign over alleged China calls. Yes, that is true. We don't know if they're treason, but I could say that it sounds, if they're real, it's, it is treason, which I'm going to explain here in a second. And he's possibly a fucking traitor. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying if it does come out, then yes, I would, I would consider him personally, yes, the equivalent of uh, probably just beneath Bo Bergdahl in my eyes. But if not, if he didn't do this, and my apologies, then I retract everything I'm about to say. I'm not really actually saying it, but if it is true, then call it spade to spade, you know. Senator Marco Rubio of Florida and retired Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, excuse me, Alexander, Alexander Vindham have called on Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley to lose his job over alleged secret calls to China amid concerns about former President Donald Trump. So in an upcoming book, Bob Woodard and Robert Costa alleges that Milley made two calls to his Chinese counterpart, General Lee Zosheng. Probably jacked up that name, but doesn't really matter. This happened one day before the 2020 election, the other days just after the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol over fears that Trump actions could start a war. Yes, that is right. He was worried that Trump was going to start a war and the guy that's beneath Trump or beneath the president at the time was going to try to stop it. So Milley went on and apparently worked to actively undermine the city commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces, which, if you guys do not know, would be the president at the time, which is in control of all the United States military. And contemplated a treasonous leak of classified information to the Chinese Communist Party in advance of potential armed conflict with the People's Republic of China, wrote Rubio. These actions by General Milley demonstrate a clear lack of sound judgment, and I urge you to dismiss them immediately. 
Yes, I would agree 110%. If this is true, what he did, he, he, needs, he needs to be released like pronto, stat, instantly. No questions asked. General Milley has attempted to rationalize his reckless behavior by arguing that what he perceived as military judgment was more stable than its civilian commander. Okay. So, I'm reading, I'm reading here an article. Just want to let you guys know that. So, Vindham is a key witness in Trump's first impeachment, who the former president later called very insubordinate. Said in a tweet that Milley should resign in alleged phone calls took place. Vindham argued that alleged phone calls set an extremely dangerous precedent that you can't simply walk away from. If this is true, this is what General Vindham had actually tweeted out, because, you know, apparently now if you're in the military and you're higher up and you need to be tweeting shit. So on October 30th, 2020, Milley called Lee after becoming concerned by intelligence reports that indicated China believed that the U.S. was preparing a military strike. The general reportedly, okay, excuse me, the general reportedly assured his Chinese counterpart that no such attack was planned and that if one were on the way, it was not going to be a surprise because he would call ahead of time. I fucking hope this is not true. So the second alleged call reportedly took place on January 8th of 2021, shortly after Milley had received a call from Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. She argued that the Capitol insurrection was evidence that Trump was crazy. Milley reportedly feared that the former president would launch a nuclear strike and told Pelosi that he agreed with her before calling Lee to say the U.S. was 100% steady and that the situation was fine. I personally believe... These people might have been hyping each other up, him and Pelosi going back to back, like, all oh, right, you know when you're like about to go on the football field, like, yeah, we're about to go beat their ass and smash each other's faces with the other the other person's helmet. You're like, yeah, we're gonna you know, like hype the hype man, they're hype men for each other. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I it's hard for me to believe that a general would, would do this, but you know, crazier shit's happen and really hopefully this, this doesn't happen. Uh because he's gonna find himself in a little bit of shit if you guys don't really realize um when it comes to to what he could be facing here as in treason charges or anything like that, I don't think it's ever going to come down to that because, for one, Biden is in office and wouldn't allow it to happen and would most likely just pardon him. I mean, let's be fucking honest here. It's not going to happen. If it was something that was actually up on their agenda, it would be all over CNN and all over the left sites. And as of right now, they don't give an abs- They don't give a shit about it. So, I mean, none of these were even polled. The only thing I pulled off of CNN was was when it comes to political stuff before this was the U.S. spy shit, which I would still like to know who is the fucking spy that is talking to CNN politics. Kind of, kind of weird. Anyway, if you want to know some, some stuff about treason, this is, this could be a huge issue for General Milley when it comes to, to getting away with something or getting away with this. If this does come out that there's an actual transcript, which I found out this morning that there could be, and there couldn't, couldn't be. Um, but he did say the guy that was on television having this conversation about it, don't recall his name, but he was, he was stating that for sure the communist party of China does have the transcript. Do you guys, I mean, let's be honest. Are they really going to release the transcript to us? No. Anyway, here's treason. Whoever owing allegiance to the United States levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid comfort within the United States or elsewhere is guilty of treason and shall suffer death. Or shall be imprisoned not less than five years or fined under the title, but not less than $10,000. And shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. So, there's that, that's what happens when you commit treason. So, another piece that he could also be charged with or, or put himself in a little bit of hot water for is activities affecting armed forces generally. Now, I went on to go read a little bit of this. Was, I know some of you guys are driving or just listening, kind of curious as to what, what he could be potentially in some shit for. So when it comes to treason, if you guys were looking for any kind of idea as to what could possibly happen, yes, I don't think he's going to be, uh, he's not going to suffer death. I don't really know exactly how you would suffer death because it does not state in here how you would do that. So if anybody was wondering, that was actually pulled off US, uscode.house.gov, so it's an actual government website. I don't even know exactly what suffer death would mean because this, I have, I have no idea. The last time that there was an amendment made with this was in 19, looks like 1994. So... I maybe injection, but I, I highly doubt that's even going to happen. I, I would assume if, if he does get in trouble, the right's going to scream uh, for something for him to happen. It's definitely not going to be death, but it's, it's to have him just removed from office. It's pretty much probably what's going to happen to be honest with you. If it does come down to it and it's going to look like the, the main reason why I could see why one side of the party would like him to, to get in trouble for this is 
he's been so against the the right side for more or less for the last like five or six years. And on the left side, they're very much for him because he was opposing Trump. And as you can tell, he was talking to Nancy Pelosi. So they do not want to see him get out of office because it would make their party look bad at the same time. So there you go. There's a little bit on that. I hope it's not the case because I hate to see people that have been in the military for 36 years, I think is what it was, which is actually kind of interesting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about General Milley. In, in a, in a, in a, fa- a lot of people don't understand what the stuff that's on his chest, like all the awards and stuff that he has. Um, which I'll talk about here in a second because there's another article that Trump actually doubts reported Milley calling the Chinese general, but says if it's true, it is treason, which is very true. So Trump goes on to say this. So first of all, if it's actually true, which is hard to believe, it is hard for me to believe as well, that he would have called China and done these things and was willing to advise him of an attack in advance of an attack that's treason. See, the thing is, is I think General Milley in his position, he, I don't think he could be that stupid. He goes on to also state this. So for the record, I never even thought of attacking China. And China knows that the people that fabricated this story are sick and demented. And the people who printed it are just as bad. In fact, I'm the only president in decades who didn't get the U.S. into a war. A well-known fact that is seldom reported. That is from Trump. There you go. For all you Trumpers out there, there's your facts on what Trump is saying about Milley's conversation with the Chinese general. But I want to tell you guys, like I was saying a second ago, I'm going to explain a little bit about General Milley himself. A lot of people don't really realize. I actually did a little bit of research on the general. I was, I was interested. You know, I saw he had, he had a CIB, he had, a, he had scrolls, he had a long tab, he had airborne. He had like, I was like, oh my God, let's do some research on this guy. So we're going to do a little bit of backstory on General Milley for people that are really kind of interested. So he earned his commission as an officer in the Army Reserves Training Corps in 1980. Okay, there you go. That's fine. And he spent most of his career as an infantry, uh, on infantry assignments. Now, here's here's the kicker. So I really wanted to know, did General Milley, he botched everything when it came to Afghanistan and everything like that. Does this son of a gun, does he have any actual combat experience? Because I know a lot of the times these people in charge, these, these officers, they have absolutely fucking zero combat experience. And that is a fact. You know how I know that's a fucking fact? Think about this for a second. There's about... Uh, how many enlisted compared to, I'm going to throw a number out there. So there's four, I'm going to say there's six, six to seven in a company of infantry company, excuse me, six to seven officers to about 150 enlisted. Okay. Now you see how small it is. The chances that an officer really has any combat experience because of those officers, only three of those officers are actually outside doing shit of those six or seven that are within a company. So the chances of an officer actually seeing combat is slim to fucking none. If they weren't attached to a, an actual infantry unit or, or combat unit of some sort. It's very, very true. Okay. So I wanted to, I want to do some, some research. So he has had multiple command and staff positions in eight, eight divisions and special forces throughout the last 39 years. I thought I said 36 earlier. It's 39. He commanded, 1st Battalion, 506th, I'm not going to go on to tell you exactly who he commanded, but the year is kind of what is what matters the most. December 2003 to 2005, he was in command. So this is what, what told me right out the gate. I didn't really need to see anything else past this. So he was commanded the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 10th Mountain Division, from 2003 to 2005. Now, I'm not discrediting this gentleman's military career. I would never do that. I'm just trying to shed light on exactly what it could be. He could have got his his... CIB in the early 90s or in Panama or some shit like that. But I don't believe he got it in any recent war. There's no no way. And I, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, and every other veteran in this world would probably tell you the exact same thing. There was no, there's no fucking way that he actually really earned it in any recent war whatsoever. Because he's, if he's in charge of 2nd Brigade Combat Team 10th Mountain Division during the beginning of the wars, there's no fucking way that he saw any combat or had any fucking idea what was really going on. He was more just a political figure for the wars, during the wars. So, like I said, I'm not trying to discredit the gentleman because that'd be fucking asinine of me to do that to another military member. They're never, but I'm just trying to shed light on really what's going on with, with the guy himself. He was in charge of the commanding general operations of the 101st Airborne Division from 2007 to 2008, commanding general of the 10th Mountain Division from November 2011 to 2012, I mean, he's done, he's done a lot of just commanding of big, large forces. Now, when I'm telling you guys this, for you guys that have never been in the military, when you're commanding of a force like that, you're never going to be in a position to where you're going to get injured in any sort of fucking way. Like, I know this. Like, there is no way that this gentleman... Like, when I was in Paktika province in Afghanistan, 
the guy that was in charge of our Soda East, Special Operation Task Force East, he wouldn't even come out to our command, our little, our little outpost, or what he would say. There was only 22 of us out there. He wouldn't even fly out there and see us because it was deemed too fucking unsafe. So I know for a fact that a person this high would never come out to us because if a person below him deemed it too unsafe for them to come out to us, then he definitely wouldn't either. I know. I just want to, I want to keep reiterating. I'm not discrediting this gentleman at all. I'm just trying to give you a backstory on, I like to, I like to know a little bit what, what goes on with the person that's in charge. So on June 23rd, 2021, Milley attracted notice for telling Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates that he found it offensive that the U S military was being categorized as woke for including critical race theory in its West point curriculum. I want to understand white rage in, and I'm white. What is the cause of thousands of people to assault the building and try to overturn Constitution of the United States and of America? Yeah. So there you go. I wanted to do a little bit of research and I had to read an absolute shitload of stuff to even find that one fucking piece right there. That one piece. I wanted to know a little bit more about this guy. I really did. And I found what I needed to know right there. I tell you guys, every single fucking episode, it seems like there's always a political agenda behind every single thing that goes on in the news or just anything in general in a person. You know, they always have a political agenda. You could say this podcast has a, has a political agenda if you would like to. I mean, I read sides from both left and to right. I've had people fucking talking shit about, oh, you're being too, too biased on the left or you're being too biased on the right. You're being too soft on the left. You're being too hard on the right. Like, who fucking care? I'm going to read it how it is. This is, this is, it's literally right here. I mean, it's, this is public knowledge. This is not me saying shit. So I am 100% against critical race theory being even put into West Point or anything like the military is not here for your fucking, it's not, that's not what it's here. It's here to seek and destroy enemies of the United States and to keep everybody in America safe. It's not for this kind of shit right here. And if he's the one that's putting it in there, then he's got a political agenda behind his, whatever his motives are. See what I'm saying? Now do you have an understand why I am telling you guys this? This is not for my own. I don't gain anything out of this. I mean, fuck, I'm sitting here having to talk about one of the high, um, highest ranking gen- generals in, in the military as a whole. And I'm just trying to tell you guys and have explained why I'm going about it the way I am. This came out. This is also added to his thing. Millie, to his counterpart in China in October 2020, Millie told the Chinese general, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. That is something you don't fucking do. Like to one of your biggest enemies, well-known enemies in the United States, you don't call them and say, hey, if we're going to attack, I'm going to give you a fucking phone call and be like, yo, hey, we're going to show up on the block today. Get your boys ready. No, you fucking just pound them. And then he says, uh, the reporters wrote after the attack of the Capitol, Millie concerned Trump might go rogue, telling the staff that you never know what a president's trigger point is and that he insisted that he be consulted about any military action orders by Trump. Milley had two backed channel phone calls with China's top general who was on high alert after the events in the United States and instructed the directors of the CIA and SA to particularly uh, attentive to the developments. So I wanted to state and put this in here along with the CRT one. So you guys can understand which side of the aisle that he may be sitting on and why he may have been against everything that Trump was doing in and why one side of the media may not like him and one one side may like him. Now you're having more of a clearer picture as I read through this, correct? So, and I brought up his previous deployments for one thing. I'm not trying to discredit the gentleman in any, any sort of matter because he is, as a human being, and um, back in his day, I mean, he's been in the military for almost 40 years. So back in his day, he was a badass. I know he was because I look at the shit that he's got. You know, he's got a Ranger Tab, Special Forces. He's got um, Special Operations Scuba and master parachutist. So the master parachutist is not as, as big of a deal as, say, the scuba or the special forces or the ranger. Special forces doesn't give a shit if you're an officer or what the fuck. They don't care. When you go through that, I went through selection myself. When you go through that selection process, you're a fucking number. Same thing with rangers. Like, they're very hard on them. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. So I know that at one point he was a badass. I'm just, I'm just telling you that. <clears throat> when it comes to the, the current wars and the wars... Maybe in past, that's where he would have got his, he's got a CIB, a second award. So for all of you, you guys sitting out there who don't understand, I've got a CIB along with a meta 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a ton of us out there who've got a CIB. There's not a lot of people with a CIB with a star or, or two stars. You saw a lot in Vietnam, um, because of like 
Korea and stuff like the, cause when wars are close together and you fight in two separate conflicts, you get a star, you don't get a second CIB. You don't really see him, but he's got a second CIB, which tells me that he, he originally he got his maybe in Panama or maybe the Gulf War or something like that. I don't exactly know, but he, that means that he had received a second one for either Iraq or Afghanistan, which tells me that he didn't act either. I, it's hard for me to believe that a guy in charge of a military base received a CIB for anything other than maybe indirect fire that landed 16 miles from him. I'm not going to say that that's not the case. I couldn't find anything on it, but I want to give you some backstory on General Milley. He has been doing this, thanks for his service, for 40 years. Been doing it longer than I've been alive. But hopefully he doesn't get hit with some treasonous shit because I would just absolutely destroy. I mean, imagine going 40 years working for the military, working your, your ass off, and then become a public figure. He's basically just a political figure, which I have stated before, that after you get past like the rank of captain, your life in the military is nothing more than OER bullets in fucking a political agenda in saying yes, sir. That's literally all it is. You can't go anywhere in the military past captain. If you're an officer without saying being a yes, man, that's, that's, that's it. Like you can't say no to the guy above you. Cause he has the answer for the guy above him who then it's, you know what I mean? The shit rolls downhill. So anyway, we're done with that. There's my two cents on it. Hopefully he doesn't have, hopefully it's not real. I'm just going to be honest with you. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully he's not a, a traitor or a treasonous even though he did, like I like, and I, I did bring up his past military experience mainly because if those CIBs are so important because that means you've actually seen combat, it's like a huge thing within the infantry. That's like they have an EIB and a CIB, and, and, and an EIB is an effort, expert infantryman's badge. It's basically it's for the guys that have never been to combat. Like for the guys that have been to combat and have a CIB, the EIB is literally fucking pointless. Like no one wears an EIB if you have a CIB. Like no one gives a shit about it. Like be honest, be honest, no one does. It just means you know how to fucking read a book and do some, it's really stupid. I'm not going to go into detail because it doesn't really matter. But I only bring up his past experience when it comes to wars and, and actual combat experience. He pretty much bad botched the entire Afghan withdrawal. And if he has no real combat experience, like on the ground experience, then that kind of explains why it was so fucking botched. Cause I've all, I've spent, like I said, I've spent a fuckload of time on the ground in Afghanistan and Iraq actually doing shit and i was able to see it so i just that's the only reason why i brought it up if you don't have any real combat experience and you're really just there as a political figure and a puppet then you have really no idea what is going on on the ground so you couldn't make the correct call you know when it was time to do it so there you go also there's a lot of great officers out there i've had to deal with a lot of them but i just that's all i wanted to just trying to be honest not trying to spread any false information Hopefully this isn't true, like I said, with, with General Mark Milley, because that would be that just look terrible for the fucking military as a whole. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next piece, because I, I know that you guys are super enthralled after that one. Just got super exciting. Nether region's tingling. Did you guys know that um, apparently uh, there is a peril of Trump that keeps growing nearly eight months after he left the White House? All right. So I was like, OK, here we go. Since we just talked about Trump a second ago, we may as well just keep going. So. CNN says, add another evidence dump to the growing case that second Donald Trump presidency would be more extreme and dangerous than the first. So this kind of stills going on to the book that just came out or just coming out and talks about General Milley and so on. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Left and right have certain agendas. So here you go. Former president's behavior over the weekend using September 11th um, to slam his successor, Joe Biden, looked rather like an attempt to launch himself back onto the national stage at a moment when the former commander-in-chief who was thrown off social media for inciting violence could claim an easy spotlight. So can we just go out there and please say this and be fucking honest? He wasn't thrown off social media for inciting violence. Like, let's be fucking real. Let's, let's be, if that was the case, everything that had to do with, like I said, Antifa and BLM over the last year, anybody that was involved with that should have been fucking thrown off the exact same time. Let's be, let's be honest. I typed in this morning, I typed in Antifa. There hasn't been an actual news article on those fuckers in almost three weeks. Like no one gives a shit about them because there's no election around. I, 2022 and 2024, we'll start seeing them articles again. And there's no actual big. So I typed in BLN at the same time, which we'll talk about later on. And I found one, one that actually meant the fuck. And I found another one that was 
talking about BLM land management, which is just public land management. And they were releasing horses. So let that fucking like we're, it's not, we're not around an election cycle, so they're not going to talk about them. But I just wanted to say that, like, let's be real. Was he thrown off social media for inciting violence or was he thrown off social media because he didn't, didn't go in the direction of the agenda of the people that run the social media companies, you know, kind of like this podcast in a sense, I am worried at times that this thing will kill the channel. And I've actually discussed if I should put it on a separate channel, which I don't think is a good idea in a sense, because this channel has the biggest following and this is how I reach a crowd and try to just tell the dick. I, I'm sometimes we can worry that I could, the same thing could happen to me for just doing the same thing. So in the book that's coming out, peril are among the most serious and alarming yet. If they do, oh, excuse me, if they are born out, they would not just be a case of president tearing at the structures of U.S. democracy as he did with the U.S. Capitol insurrection on January 6th. You, I love how they they always have to fucking insert that. In every, like, have you guys noticed in every article that they possibly can, they put it in there. It's kind of like one of those things when it comes to marketing. If you guys show a consumer a product multiple times, they're going to end up buying it. And this is studies that have been done. It's like three or four times. Then they're like, oh, they'll consider buying it. So wouldn't that be the same thing with inserting the exact same shit into an article every single day and your users read it? Are they not going to think, oh, fuck, it is true without even with just just doing it just out of out of habit of seeing it? <sighs> anyway, it goes on to say designed to disrupt buying certification of the winner of the November elections. But they also would represent a sign that the nation's most senior military officer believed Trump was a grave danger to the world in fevered days when he was trying to clip or cling to power. So what this is saying right here is that CNN, like I told you guys, you got two sides of the aisle. So they're now stating with inside of this article that they believe that Milley was doing essentially the right thing because he was trying to deter Trump from using whatever power he was going to do. Like for some reason, I don't know why people in Washington would ever even fucking think on the last days Trump's in office that he's going to go nuke China or some shit. Like that's not even a, that's not even a real fathomable thing. Like what is he going to like, you have to get it. That's an act of Congress to even start a war. That's another thing. I, I feel like when they're writing these fucking articles, they're just writing out of emotion, not even thinking like you can't, you, you couldn't go to war with China without getting approval from Congress. Correct. Am I, am I wrong? Unless you're under some, some some type of September 11th type deal, which is completely different than what they're talking about here, then it, it takes an act of Congress. I mean, for, for fuck's sake, let's, let's just be honest. Some of the shit is a fucking joke, just like this. This is a damn joke. I hate I hate that I got to always talk about jokes. Like, can we just have some fun other than that? All right, so let's move on. Here we go. So apparently Trump's going to be going for 2022 or 20, excuse me, 2024, and they're just trying to fucking ruin them, I guess. I have no idea. Kind of sucks that they're, they're having to, you know, it sucks for them in a sense, not, not for us. I mean, that they're so worried that it's 2021. There's just three years out. They're still trying to use the guy's name either for views or just because they have nothing else to talk about. So poor guy. Uh, I say poor guy. Son of a bitch is worth so much money. <laughs> he doesn't even, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, ah, keep talking about me. All right, so here we go. If you guys did not know, Newsom. Oh, my gosh. I feel bad for y'all in California. Um, apparently, you guys wanted to keep him, so he didn't lose the uh, recall. So he's still in office. Sucks for y'all in California that wanted him out. That really does suck because at least a quarter of the population didn't want him in. And that's what the, uh, when it comes to polling data. That's essentially what it was, maybe 30% or 35%. So when you when you're talking about that, you, you do have a pretty strong case. There is a little bit of Republican base over there, a more right right sided base, but it's clearly all left and probably will never change. But I got me to the reading. This thing says five takeaways from his from Gavin Newsom's recall. There was two of the five were actually something worthy of, of actually talking about. Um, one of them was a strict pandemic policy gets a big win. Okay, so they say the strict pandemic policy got a big win in California, which we talk about in a second. But then it goes on to state this. Recalls huge cost prompts for reform. Now, I want you guys to realize this. Charles, I'm going to ask you, how much money do you think this election cost the Department of Finance in California? 20. 20 million? Yeah. $276 million. $276 million this cost Californians. Yes. For a recall election. That's cost you guys $276 million fucking dollars. Let that sink in. So if you guys already have the highest tax rate, in the states, literally in the fucking world, essentially, 
and you guys have the highest debt and you guys pretty much have just been sucking butt cheeks over there in California when it comes to everything financially. I, I add another $276 million onto that fucking tab for no reason. So anyway, so this goes on to say a strict pandemic policy gets a big win. They're talking about Newsom. So I wanted to know a little bit more about this and what they're talking about. Newsom's aggressive action laws to slow the spread of coronavirus, the same restrictions that helped spur the recall election, got a significant boost in Tuesday nights, proving to Democrats across the country that strict pandemic policies can be good politics. Now, this is a big fucking deal. This may seem like not a big deal to some of y'all living in red states or kind of like purple states you would call them but this is sucks for all y'all living in the blue states because if you guys didn't realize this this big win over there and what they just stated here strict pandemic policy can be good politics let that fucking strict like strict pandemic policy can be good politics are they now stating in in, in openly that the 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 uh, pandemic has now become political correct so i want to do a little bit of research because you know that's I, I, I can't just come on here and say some shit without actually doing a little bit of research. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? So we get to go on to number seven here, which is this one I wanted to know. So I was like, God, so they're talking about good politics in California because they won this recall election where 75% of the state is literally already Democratic. So if you didn't win it, then it's a fucking giant failure. So I was, I was like, okay, so let's, let's read what they're talking about. I'm really curious. I want to know. Let's go with it and biased. And we found exactly, th- these are just, 100% is not from any news source whatsoever. This is just a website that, that does strictly COVID numbers. That's all they do. They got it broken down by states and countries and whatnot. So I did states. Here we go. You guys ready? Total United States. We've got uh, 42,288,000 coronavirus cases. We've had 682,000 deaths. 32 million people recovered. Okay. All right. Hmm. That's a lot of people that have died from COVID. Yes, that is. It is absolutely terrible. I'm not saying it's not. And I feel like I got to say this every single, every single time. Yes. Yes. I am. I, I am. I am vaxxed. I got vac. I got the vaccine. I'm not scared of vaccines. I feel like I have to say this every single time because there's always people like, oh, is an anti-vaxxer. No, I'm, I'm, I got it. I'm not scared of it. I got it. Okay. So now you, now you can take that piece out of whatever you're about to fucking say in the comment section, because I just feel like we got to say that every time. So here we go. California is the number one state. So California says that they won because of strict policies when it comes to um, how how the coronavirus pandemic was ran over there. They're very strict. I've went to California. It's much more strict than Florida and, and Georgia and, and, uh, and Texas. So here we go. So currently, California is number one for total cases in America. And right now they have the strictest policy when it comes to coronavirus itself. Now I'm telling you guys this. Please don't skip through it. This is kind of important because this is going to explain a little bit more about exactly why I think it's kind of strange that they they stated that that it now is good politics to be strict on coronavirus. So I want to do some research, like I said. So here you go. They have four and a half million total cases. They've had 67,000 deaths and their population is 40 million, just under 40 million. Excuse me, just under 40 million. OK, now, with that being said, Texas is number two. California has been very, very, very strict on their whole COVID policy in general. And Texas has been very lenient. We're just like, be free, do what you want to do, wear a mask. If you don't want to, that's fine. You're an American, be fucking free. Correct. Is that all right? That's Texas stance. Same with Florida. So Texas has a population of 28, almost 29 million. So we'll say it has a population of 10 million less than California. Okay, so now you're saying, okay, so it'll be a population difference. So Texas has 700,000 less cases in 7,000 less deaths. Okay. Now, active cases in California. Now, this is the other thing. People, this this is one I had to highlight. Current active cases in California is what it says right here is 2 million. Don't know how that's 2 million. It seems quite high, but that's exactly what it says. And in, in Texas, we have 353,000. Okay. That's a significant difference. Now, it's saying total cases per 1 million population, 114,000 to 133 in Texas. So they're stating that the strict, strict, strict lockdowns amounted to less coronavirus cases and has been much more successful than other states like Texas and or Florida. So I was like, man, is that really true? And I kept going on and on and looking. So Florida, okay, they have three and a half million total cases, fifty, just under 49,000 deaths, 
and their population is 21 million. I was like, okay, well, that's significantly less than California, about half. Okay. And then I was like, was there a state that's close? The next state down. I was like, oh shit, here we go. New York. New York's population is almost identical to, it's all, it's, it's million, two million less than Florida. But the thing is, it's had a million less cases, 6,000 more deaths. So what in the world's going on there? A million less cases and has 6,000 more deaths. 6,000 more deaths and a million less cases. I was like, okay, maybe that's just random. You know, maybe it just hit the hardest of the, the people that got hit the hardest. So I went down, let's go even farther. So then they come up, Illinois and Georgia. Okay, so we'll say kind of red, kind of bluish, kind of purple state of Georgia. And then a super blue state. You have 12 million and 10 million, literally 2 million again, population difference. Total deaths, Illinois had more, but they had the exact same cases. I don't understand it. I don't think it's even me saying this to you. You're probably a little bit confused. But this this just goes back to state that they, they're saying that strict COVID policies are good politics. But in fact, strict COVID policies didn't actually amount to any difference when it came to how it actually is ending up numbers-wise. Because these active, these 2 million active cases that it states that California has, that'll be end up being... I don't, I don't really exactly know how many more deaths are going to come out of that, but I, I, this number can't be correct, but it says that it is. It's live. It's 2 million. I, maybe, maybe, there, maybe there's accounting in California. is just a little like the queue or maybe the backlog is just not, it just takes a long time for it to be refreshed. I have no idea, but goes on to, to prove a little bit of point here that the stricter the lockdown has been over the last two years really hasn't amounted to anything when it comes to statistical changes for deaths and cases wise, but it's done nothing but impact the economy of a California, absolutely insanely different than one here in Texas, you know, like just fucking insane. So there's gotta be some give and some take with some of this shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to go on and talk about this anymore um, because these numbers are all out there for you to go look at if you'd like to, but just realize that they've now stated publicly that their political practices and based off are going to be based off of how strict the policies are when it comes to COVID in those states. So that does suck if you do live there. So let's go on to a little bit more enjoyable stuff other than talking about COVID and what's going on in America, because this one's going to make everybody smile ear to ear. Makes me fucking smile. So Taliban fighters reportedly brawl inside of a presidential palace over power divide. Now, this one made me laugh, and I fucking love every second of this, which you should too. So if you guys did not know, the BBC reports on Wednesday that Taliban officials said that the fighting was between two factions that wanted to take credit for defeating the United States. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. Well, guess who it was? Mullah Abdul Fakhtard and Taliban's deputy prime minister, that's who it is, and Earl Rahman Haqqani, the leader of the Haqqani Network. Yes, exchanged strong words as their followers brawled with each other nearby. So you have two two entities with inside of the Taliban are fighting over who defeated the United States and they're having a fucking fist fight over it. That is right. I can imagine how goofy this fucking fist fight was because these are the, the most unathletic fucking individuals on planet earth that smell very f- interesting. We'll just say that. God, that room. I can just imagine walking in there. It just smells like Fumunda cheese and BO. Just that. I just couldn't imagine. So anyway, Bardar's position in is that diplomacy in Qatar carried the day while the notorious Haqqani network insists that the victory was achieved by unrelentingly willingness to fight. But the funny thing is, is Bardar has not been seen in public and there are rumors that he may have been killed. <laughs> That's why it's so fucking funny. So you tell me the Taliban to kill each other over who, who defeated the United States. All right. The Taliban have denied the brawl ever occurred and released an, an, an unverified video claiming to show Bardar alive and well. It was probably the back of his fucking head as he ate his rice with the same hand that he wiped his ass with. All right. Because that is a real thing. They leaked that rice. I remember I've been over there and we're sitting there and they sit down at these shuras and they bring out their fucking pressure cooker full of rice and it has like like his goat in it and, and, and raisins. And legitimately, I can't remember if it's a right or left hand. One of them, they use to wipe their hands, and one of them, they use to shake your hands. But they eat with both of them. And they don't have any fucking toilet paper over there, so. Anyway. Fuck, yeah. All right, let's go, let's go on the next. 
Uh, also, more Republicans are call on Biden to designate the Taliban as a terrorist group. Yes, that is right. I don't know why the fuck they're not designated as a terrorist group right now, but apparently we have to designate them as a terrorist group. And there's Republicans right now in a letter that was dated Wednesday to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken by Senator Joni Ernst. Several senators said that the current versions of the Taliban government presents a significant threat to the United States. I feel like I'm sitting here having a fucking conversation with the wall because I have been saying the same shit for the last two weeks. Maybe I should run for fucking office. Fuck. It would, it would never happen. <laughs> uh, since reestablishing control of Afghanistan, the Taliban resumed the same murderous and <laughs> oppressive habits that characterized their leadership 10 years prior to arrival of U.S. forces in 2001. Oh my gosh, he's saying the same fucking thing that I said was going to happen. The senators pointed to that the treatment of civilians, including women in Afghanistan, under the Taliban regime last week. Several news outlets reported that the Taliban had beaten women who had taken part in demonstrations following the announcement that the Taliban's cabinet was all male. Shocker. Women who spoke with the BBC said that during the protests, they had been struck with batons and whipped. Nothing like speaking unity for all and women's power, like, whipping their shit out of them. Make that right, the Taliban. Fuck. I wonder why AOC's not wearing her fucking Chick-fil-A dress over there. She's like, oh, look at me. <laughs> Given their history of supporting terror attacks in the United States, their brutal style of governance, their continued display of atrocities against Americans and our allies, and now their enhanced military capability, the current version of the Taliban, presents a significant threat to the United States further. The Taliban display the will and the means to attack Americans in American interest. That's what the senators have said. And I wholeheartedly believe that sitting here in America, having a good time designated the Taliban. So this is actually really important by the way. So I hope you guys are enjoying this, but this piece is actually really important for some of you guys who don't realize why I brought this up. So designating the Taliban as a foreign terrorist organization will make it harder for countries to provide them aid and recognition. We would be sending a strong signal that America does not do business with terrorist groups and their sympathizers. The Taliban are radical jihadists in every sense of the word and use terror as their tactic. So this is very fucking important. So if we deem them as a terrorist organization, they will not be able to get funding from other countries and whatever companies work with them will be deemed to be working with fucking terrorists. Yes, that's very important. Let that sink in. As you sit at home or drive in your car, yes, if we were just to do the simple act of deeming them and making them terrorists, imagine the world does not want to work with fucking terrorists and whoever does is terrorist sympathizers. So now you can give humanitarian aid to the Afghanis themselves, but good fucking luck getting that money and that shit to them without the Taliban stopping you or stopping whoever it is, taking whatever, like, it's almost going to be physically impossible to do anything within that country while they're fucking in charge. There's a little bit about what's going on over there in the Taliban country of Afghanistan. I didn't know if you guys knew this or not, but the Taliban's actually been asking for money. So this one I find very, very ironic. And this is very true. Uh, the Taliban governor of Helmand, of, of Helmand, which is a giant province, asked the West, this is his message to the West, come back with money, not guns, as he's sitting there on his fucking empty table... I mean, this is, this is the most ironic fucking photo ever. He's sitting there looking like a fuckhead with his, his, his AK-47U sitting there just facing in all the desks behind him. If you guys cannot see this, I'm very sorry, but this image is now up on the video. But everything behind him is absolutely empty, and there's one globe sitting there. And I bet you that fucker on there could not point out a single country on that globe in the first place. But it's so ironic. He's sitting in this empty-ass room that he's taken, and he has nothing to his name to put on these shelves. He has no awards because nothing was given to him. And you can scroll in and you can see it's an empty room. And there's one fucking dude like taking his photo. This guy looks, I can just smell him from here. I always say that. I had to Charles last because I had to do with these. I mean, I know what these guys do. They smell so fucking bad. Anyway, Hellman's new Taliban governor who spent years as commander fighting the British in Sanjin. So by the way, Sanjin was a fucking terrible place. Thanks to the Brits and for all that have died there. But this son of a bitch welcomes visitors with an assault rifle lying on his desk, yet he insists that the time for fighting is over. He messages, excuse me, he has a message for the British and the rest of NATO, recognize the Taliban of Afghanistan's legitimate leaders, and then come back, but with money, not guns. So you're fucking telling me you want us to come and bring you money? This goes back to what I was just talking about a second ago. He says, this is what the, the guy says, the governor, we faced each other in battle and we didn't get to know each other other than normal times. 
said Talib Malawali, a Helmand native who fought for the Taliban the first time the group controlled Afghanistan. Now you can win our hearts and make us happy if you recognize this government. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't give an abs. I don't give a fuck if I make you happy. I don't think anybody in America should make this Molly Wally fuck happy if we give him money. Like, we, what are you talking about, Molly Wally? You want me to come over there and give you money? My hard-earned money? All my tax dollars that literally go to paying people in America to sit home? You want me to give it to you? Okay, fine. Fuck, I'll give it to you, Molly Wally. I got you, buddy. He goes on to say, all those foreign countries invaded and killed our women and children and our old people and destroyed everything, he said. Now the international community should help us with a humanitarian aid and focus on educating business and trade. So this fucker says that we went in there and killed those women and children and all those old people. That is not fucking true. I was not going over there mowing down any women or children on purpose. They absolutely did not happen. Not a single time when I was like, you know what? I need to kill that civilian. Not a single time that I shoot a civilian. Not once. Fuck. Anyway, he wants us to go over there and give him a little bit of money. What do you need this money for? That's my question. Do you, what the fuck do you, we just gave you a bunch of guns and ammo. What do you need money for? You got, you got enough heroin to produce. Like, what do you need money for? Come on now. Molly Wally. I can't take him seriously, that fucking name. Molly Wally. The international community helps the countries that have the support of their civilians. We have brought security and we have brought support to the people so they should help us and recognize our government. All right, Molly Wally, you have not brought fucking security to that place. The only reason why you have it is because our cowardice government gave it to you. I promise you. That's the only reason. And we know that you don't fucking do anything. Why do we need to support them? Fuck you. You wanted that country. Take it. Own it. Build it yourself. You don't need our fucking money to build it. You, you fucking, you want to be a legitimate government? Build it yourself. Don't use our fucking backing to build your bullshit country that's going to literally just be a breeding ground for terrorism. That's what I got to say to you, Molly Wally. He goes on to say, I was a commander in Sanjin when we were fighting against the British, he said. We were fighting for just two kilometers away. All the people in the district were helping us. They were not interested in the British being there, he said. After Sanjin fell under Taliban control, he moved on to fighting Musa Kala. Let's just go ahead and round this thing up in a a little nutshell. Molly Wally wants us to give him fucking money so they can become a legitimate government. They do not want us to interfere in anything they have to do politically, but they want our money for some fucking reason. Hopefully we have some fucking testicle fortitude to say, you know what? You can, you can go ahead and just sit the fuck down there, Molly Wally. And you guys, since you guys wanted this country, you guys can have it now. Go ahead and, Try to build it up yourself and not use our money that can be used elsewhere. Like, say, Green New Deal. I'm all for $3.5 trillion in green spending, you know? Why does Molly Wally need that money? All right, Charles, on to the next. Here we go. What do we got? So as the Taliban are hunting, excuse me, as they are hunting, well, they're hunting down some money because they need more money. For what reason? We don't know. They're also hunting down people that helped Americans and British forces and everything else. So the Afghan sniper who helped British Army hunt down, or he was hunted down and executed by the Taliban. An Afghan sniper who worked alongside British Special Forces in the war-torn country was hunted down by the Taliban on Monday and executed in front of his family. The victim and father of five identified his end to protect his surviving kin reportedly was murdered after being one of the hundreds of Western allies left behind during the disaster evacuation effort. Mm. Yes. He had been in hiding because of his, he, he faced threats. British, this is, this is from a former Colonel Ash Alexander Cooper, who's once a senior advisor to the Afghan Ministry of Internal or Interior Affairs. But they found him and he was shot multiple times and executed in front of his house, in front of his family. The murdered sniper had been in very effective elite Afghan squad known as CF-333 that was mentored by British and uh, the former army officer said the British one. N, who is that gentleman's name, who was, a, who was a sniper. So N tried to be evacuated from his homeland once the Taliban took power, fearing he would be targeted as a collaborator. But he was once one of the hundreds of left behind U.S. and U.K. troops left. Uh, one of the ones that was left when, they, when we left and U.K. left. He said the murder proves the Taliban's declarations of amnesty for those who worked against the Islamic fundamentalist group is merely a fucking fantasy, which it is. We all know that. Uh, the UK paper said an interpreter who also failed to be evacuated after helping British military was kidnapped by a 25-man squad of the Taliban troops and badly beaten. The man identified himself as Sharif Karami, a 31-year-old married father of four, said he was then held for four days in a tiny cell with barely any oxygen. He was eventually released because local elders intervened and is fully 
and his family managed to pay $21,500 ransom. So right now you got the Taliban holding journalist ransom. Okay, that's fucking great. But yet they want Americans' money. So there you go. And they're going around and killing anybody who worked with us. So hopefully we don't fucking work with them. And I would assume I'm going to make the assumption that this administration is not going to work with them, mainly due to the reason it would be a a politically side of thing. It would be fucked. It would be, it wouldn't be good. I mean, I can't think of a single person right now that before working with the towel. I hope there's not any. So if you guys didn't know, Fauci supports a vaccine mandate for travel, but the industry is not on board. And there's multiple reasons why I would assume the industry's not on board. One mainly, you know what kind of impact it's going to have for them financially? Even though if they do have an impact that's so significant, the government would step in and hand them more money. We all know this, but they're not going to, I don't, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I wanted to bring this up for many reasons other than the fact that you let them, you let them have a little bit, they're going to take it and then they're going to take it and they're going to want more and then they're going to want more and it's going to continue and continue. Once you give them a little bit, they're going to take a lot. So it goes on to say this. I would support that if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people that you should be vaccinated. That's what Fauci says. And this got me thinking. So we keep seeing these things and we, it's been allowed the, the whole mass thing, the two weeks staying home and everything. It's kind of got progressively just keeps getting, it's like, it seems like we're getting to the tail end of this, but they keep trying to enforce other type of laws. And I got to thinking, what else is this reminding me of? But Fauci told MSNBC on Tuesday that testing requirements and vaccine mandates for travel are under consideration, but yet not yet decided. So you're telling me that they're now considering adding a mandate for you to travel. You must be vaccinated. When in fact, you know what? I recall there was a certain gentleman who is now in office who stated something like this. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. That's why I said on my, in my inaugural speech, I'm going to ask people to commit for 100 days to wear a mask. Not because I'm asking it uh, to, for any reason to punish. This is not a political issue. It's become one. So Biden said that he wasn't going to put any mass mandates and yet he now has mass mandates and vaccine mandates and shit like that. So, and he said that he wasn't going to do it. Well, that's kind of strange because now he's saying it. And what I just say a second ago, you give them a little bit, they're going to take a lot. So objections from the industry, U S travel has a long maintained that there should be no mandatory vaccination requirement for domestic travel. Such a policy would have unfair and negative impact on families with young children who are not yet eligible, eligible to get the vaccine. The federal mass mandate for public transportation means that the proper tools are already in place to enable safe air travel for Americans. Okay. A vaccine mandate for domestic travel would likely present a host of logistical challenges, decentralized record keeping, making vaccines in the United States difficult to verify, requiring proof raises the question of whether the government or individual airlines would collect the information. And some states have banned businesses from requiring proof of vaccination. So that's one thing that's probably not going to happen. But I do know the airports are federally owned and operated so they can mandate inside they want. So it's going to be kind of difficult for a state to regulate what they do on federal property, which is the airports, correct? So that's a little interesting. But I'll bring this up because, man, I told you guys you give them a little bit, they're going to take a lot kind of deal. Well, I'm going to, we're going to do a little bit of a fucking history lesson for all y'all out there. Okay, so we're not going to look too far into it, uh, too, too in-depth, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm going to give you a little history, quick little history lesson as to why if you give the government just a little bit, it can end up in a terrible way. So in 33, 1933 that is, right before that, I guess 32 prior, Jews in, in Germany were normal civilians, okay? They were normal. I mean, you can go look this up online if you'd like. This is when they first started implementing stuff on Jews, and it was in 33. By 38... They had made it and declared it that by January 1st of 39, all Jews were obliged to carry identity cards that indicated the Jewish heritage. And in the autumn of 38, all Jewish passports were stamped with the identifying letter of J. So with that being said, the only thing that I'm really stating with this is if you give them a little, they're, gonna, they're always going to continue to add stuff. Now, throughout the years between 33 to 39, if you go and research, they were adding something every single year. Like every single year, they would add something. They would take away a little bit. But by 38, 39... Jews had to have a J stamped on their chat, their passports, excuse me. 
So they were indicating it could be the same thing as you're talking about now when they're talking about vaccine passports and so on and so forth. And throughout the years, the only reason why I, I say this, you might want to go do a little bit of research yourself, but it came down to like, they could even practice, like Jewish doctors couldn't even practice on Jews in Germany. Like they were stripping them of all their rights as they, they went on. So that's what I'm saying. Less government is better. And this is, this is one of the instances where it's very clear and on the, the writings on the wall where you just keep giving them a little, they're going to just keep going and going. So if you guys did not know, the Met Gala just happened. Um, I didn't want to really talk about it yesterday because that was pretty much the only thing in the news that was to talk about. And that's what I listened to. And I found out that, uh, if you guys did not know, the Met Gala cost $35,000 a ticket. That is right, 35000 You heard me right, 35000 a ticket. So our good friend AOC decided she was going to show up at the Met Gala wearing a fucking pretty dress. It was a pretty dress. She looked like she was wearing a fucking Chick-fil-A bag, but that's pretty much it. She wore. She showed up wearing 35000 uh, excuse me, she showed up to an event that cost $35,000 to get in wearing a dress that probably cost a couple thousand bucks. If you guys have not seen it, I mean, it's, it's on my YouTube channel right now. Just go search it. I mean, this beautiful image of her looking like she's a fucking walking around Chick-fil-A bag. I find it very ironic that she's at an event that is that is literally made for the wealthiest of wealthy people in America or in New York or wherever. Like literally the top more than 1%. Like we're talking like 0.5% type people, like super uber rich. She's at a fucking event wearing... Tax the rich, tax. That literally says tax the rich, on her, on her fucking dress. Like, what kind of asinine shit in world does she live in, where she's gonna show up to an event, where I, I I know that she didn't pay for the ticket. Somebody paid for the ticket and gave it to her, and then she shows up wearing tax the rich around nothing but the fucking most uber rich people in the world. She doesn't make a, a, a measly salary. I think it's around one hundred seventy five grand a year. So I mean, she makes pretty good money. But I'm just trying to say somewhat fucking asinine, but she is also a, an idiot. Not going to lie. I mean, she, she claims that she's not, a, she's literally a socialist Marxist or whatever, whatever you like to call her, but she's, she's an idiot, but she's a Marxist that sells t-shirts. And it's so, so ironic because she puts this thing on the back of her shirt. And I guess she's got a bunch of people talking about it. But if you go to her website, the number one thing on there is you can buy a fucking shirt that says tax the rich. Yes, that is right. Let this sink in. A a lady that is is literally about communism and fuck capitalism and everything else is literally promoting a shirt and a brand that is literally entitled "Tax the Rich." It's I it it, it it's hard. It's, I'm lost for words because it kind of doesn't even make any fucking sense if you think about it. She's not for capitalism and hates rich people. Shows up to an event wearing a shirt that says "Tax the Rich" or a dress that says "Tax the Rich." promoting a shirt that you can buy for a website for like $65 that says tax the rich. All right. If that doesn't scream, I'm a fucking idiot from the, from the left. I don't know what, it, what does. Cause that really does. It's like the people that sit inside of fucking Starbucks saying tax the fucking rich and fuck capitalism as they drink their Starbucks coffee and write on their Apple computer. Like what, what the fuck? What? Well, backtrack. What'd you just do? <laughs> you know, Goofy ass. It's usually those college people that have no fucking idea what they're even talking about. Like, oh my god, tax the rich. It's like, well, because you never made a fucking dollar. So, I get, I get it. Calm down. Also in the news, North Korea fires two ballistic missiles into eastern waters. That is right, fires them at fucking Japan. So, North Korea fired two ballistic missiles into waters off its eastern coast Wednesday afternoon, two days after claiming to tested a newly developed missile after six months lull. That is right. I just about had a heart attack or something right here. That was kind of strange. Sorry, don't know what that was. Japan's Coast Guard said they landed outside of exclusive economic zone in the waters between Japan and the Korean Peninsula. Seoul, uh, Seoul said uh, South Korean and U.S. intelligence authorities are, author- are, are, wow, holy shit. Can I get that Biden piece right now? Do we have that little, yeah, hit that. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. Okay, well, couldn't find my words there. Seoul said South Korean and U.S. intelligence authorities are analyzing more details about the launches, and that's the South had boosted its anti-North Korea surveillance. Many experts say the weekend test suggested that North Korea is pushing to bolster its weapon arsenal amid a deadlock in nuclear diplomacy between Pyongyang, Pyongyang, and Washington. I don't know why did you use that word. Pyongyang. What the fuck was that? All right, so way to go, Pon Yang. All right, just missile testing like a motherfucker. Just like, rah. 
Oh, man, I forgot to tell you guys. You guys, I was going to tell you something else. Man, I got to wait till the final one. So I remember I told you guys earlier that I typed in BLM and Antifa and I found one article. That was it. You know, it's not the election cycle, so there's not really much news going on. No one, they, I mean, let's be real. Like, no one really gives a shit. They don't. No one cares. So they don't talk about it. But this is pretty ironic. At the Met Gala. Multiple arrests were made of large crowd of BLM protesters gouting, gathering outside of the fashionable event. So this is somewhat fucking more ironic because AOC was inside of the event and so was the mayor de Blasio, who were both supporters of BLM and BLM is outside of it, protesting it. It's the most ironic asinine shit because everybody inside of the Met Gala is for BLM. So it'd be like me screaming at a fucking wall, literally. They're like, yeah. I can just imagine inside the Met Gala, this this is literally, if you're not on my YouTube, it's not going to make sense, but BLM's outside. Fuck everybody inside. Yeah. And then everybody outside's like, or inside the Met Gala's like, yeah, fuck them all. And then they're all looking at each other like, are they talking about us? No, they're not. They can't be because we, yeah. And they're outside. They're like, no, we're fucking talking about you. You inside. They're like, no, not us. That that's <laughs> that, that was that's what I just envisioned right there. Anyway, that was, that's, that's my <laughs> conversation I just had between the BLM and <laughs> and the Met Gala people, but it said uh, an anonymous group of NYC abolitionists. Fucking, I can't find my words, man. Who would believe that the policing does not protect and serve its communities? And they go on to state the NYPD has a total financial allocation of $11 billion a year. This money goes towards racist policing that destroys black and brown communities while people who are struggling do not get the resources they need. And what in the fuck resources do they need? Go get a fucking job. Jeez Louise. Don't count on the government. Go get a damn job. Prior to these arrests, protesters seem to be peacefully demonstrating in the street with additional video. This is always fucking funny. They lead it in there like, oh, they're peacefully protesting. And then there's a video footage that's showing a large crowd chanting, if we do not... (laughs) Oh, fuck. This is always so ironic. They're peacefully protesting, stating, if we don't get justice, if we don't get no justice, then... They don't get no peace, and people are hanging from fucking traffic lights. All right. There you go. That's what's happening up near the Met Gala. If you don't give no fucking justice, there ain't going to be no peace, is what they're fucking saying, which that's exactly how it was written. So, fuck, this was an interesting one, was it not? Everything from terrorists demanding money from America to American generals possibly committing treaty or not treaty, but treason. Treaty would not be the right word there. Treason. And then you also have BLM screaming from lamppost at their own people that believe in BLM. That was, I wish I could have been in the middle there as a cop. Be like, all right, so you want me to stop you from attacking? Like, imagine sitting in that situation. You are literally a cop sitting there like, all right, so BLM's trying to go after the people inside the Met Gala. Met Gala thinks that they're not there for them. Met Gala? Is for BLM. Maybe we should let BLM go in after the Met Gala people. Yeah, that'll teach them real quick. That's what they should have done. Just let them loose. All right. You know what? You don't like them? Go ahead. Throw rocks through their fucking windows. See how much they support you after that. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this video over here on the channel. If you guys are not subscribing, well, I hope you hope you do. If you unsubscribe because of this video, well, I'm sorry that I hurt your fucking soft feelings. And if you're on Spotify and Apple, I do love you guys. Thanks for listening to these things. I will catch you guys on another episode. We'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm out. See y'all.